Once again, thank you so much to the leadership of the ministry for giving me an opportunity to share about missions. And I'm going to focus more on servant leadership today within the context of missions. Let's see what is our main mission as, as the church. Uh, that that was already shared. Uh, it's Matthew 28, verse 19 and verse 20. That is our main mission as a church. Jesus said, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Here we see Jesus giving us the final command, if you would. You know, that's the mission that we should follow as Christians. He says, go. Go. That's the first thing that is. In other words, you have to move. You have to do something. It's, it's, an, it's a verb. You have to go. What do you do? You go and make disciples. And we're going to focus on one of the disciplines that I'll talk about today. Go and make disciples of all nations. In other words, every uh, nation. Actually, that word nation, it simply means it's ethnos. Every ethnic group in the world should hear the gospel. And verse 20, he gives us the syllabus. He gives us the content of what we should teach. He says, you teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Whatever I told you to do, you go and do it. And surely I will be with you always. And that's one thing which always encourages us, strengthens us, that God's presence is always with us. Whether you feel his presence or not, just know that God is with you. Whether you, you feel spiritual or you don't feel spiritual, God's presence does not depend on our emotions. He's always there with us at all times. He says, go and make disciples. To make disciples, in other words, there should be some disciplines that I expect the people who believe to start following. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 says, Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. God expects us to take part when it comes to discipline. He expects us to discipline ourselves, to discipline ourselves. There is a list of disciplines that God expects expect us to follow. And those are some of the disciplines that we, we teach or we train people all over the world when we go. All the Christians are expected to have a sense of discipline in certain areas or in some things in our lives. Matthew chapter 20 verse 26 says, Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become a great leader or whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. So Christ says, as you go and teach, let people know that to be great in the kingdom it's different from being great in the world. In the kingdom, if you want to be great, you become a servant. You become a servant. So servanthood, it's one of the disciplines that Jesus expects us to follow or to practice when you become a Christian, when you become a Christian leader. And I have noticed that most of us, we are here, we are leaders in, in certain areas. It could be in our Churches, some of us are leaders in our churches, some of us are pastors, 
Some of us are, are leaders in our companies, in our organizations, you know, in our place of work, in the community. We are leaders in one way or another. And I'm going to focus on only one aspect of discipline, and that is how to serve as a leader. How to serve as a leader. Because Jesus says we have to follow those disciplines. We have to, to make other people also follow those disciplines as Christians. So there are quite a number of disciplines that are expected or a, a spiritual disciplines that are expected from us as Christians. One of the spiritual disciplines that I usually talk about is a God's, it's God's Word. We have to be disciplined in studying the Word of God. I will not have enough time to go through each one of them. I'll just mention them. Maybe some other time we'll get a chance to, to look at other spiritual disciplines. But the Word of God is a priority in our lives. And we should always make it number one in everything we do. Number two, it's a discipline of prayer. We must have a discipline of daily communication with God through prayer. Not only talk about prayer, but pray. The other discipline is the discipline of worship. When I came here, uh, we were playing some worship music. I was so blessed to find that we also give time to worship. So worship is one of the disciplines that we're expected to uh, to practice as Christians. Another discipline is a discipline of evangelism. So as Christians or as leaders, we are expected to practice the discipline of evangelism. The other discipline is the discipline of serving. And that's what I'm going to focus on today. The discipline of serving. You could be serving in your church. You could be serving in your community. You could be serving at the place of work. You could be serving even in your own family. As a leader, you are a servant. The other discipline is this discipline of fasting. I'm not going to talk about all these other disciplines today. But usually what I do is always, there's maybe you will find that if I have enough time, I go through each one of them uh, per session. And I go through each discipline. But today we're going to focus on the discipline of saving. Another discipline is a discipline of meditation. Being silenced in the presence of the Lord. Just be quiet. Spend some quiet time with God. Those are some of the disciplines that we uh, we should practice. Another discipline is discipline of journaling. Just to write what God says to you. Whatever God is telling you, find a journal. Get a journal and you write it down. You know, so you make some notes. If you have a vision that God is giving you, write it down. It, it, it's one of the of the disciplines that are going to help us grow as Christians. Like I said, I'm going to focus on seventh leadership. Seventh leadership. Jesus said in the book of Matthew chapter 9, verse 37. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. God is looking, he's searching, he's seeking for laborers. God is not in the business of developing celebrity Christians, celebrity pastors. God is looking for a servant, somebody who will serve, somebody who have an attitude of serving the people. That is the type of the leaders that God is looking for. So when, when God expects us to serve him, he wants us to serve him through his people. He wants us to serve him through his people. Every miracle that Jesus performed had a purpose and a lesson. Jesus is the only perfect leader who ever lived. There is no leader who ever lived 
or who will ever live, who will be perfect. It's only Jesus who was perfect. So there is a lot of things that we can learn from him as a leader. People follow their leaders. So we also have to follow our leader, and our leader is Jesus. Jesus is our main role model when it comes to leadership as Christians. Today we're going to look at the, you know, a scene or a, a miracle where Jesus fed about 5,000 people. I want us to go through that and we see some few things that we can learn about being a servant leader. Being, a, being disciplined in the area of servant leadership. That's what we're going to, uh, to look at. Something very interesting about this miracle. You know, there are two miracles. There are only two miracles that have been recorded in all four Gospels. The first miracle is a, is a miracle of the resurrection. That is the miracle that's recorded in all four Gospels. The second miracle is when Jesus fed the 5,000. These are the only two miracles that you will find in all the four Gospels consistently. Consistently. So it, it must be a very important miracle. In the book of Matthew, this miracle is recorded in Matthew chapter 14, from verse 13 to verse 21. And in the book of Mark, it's from Mark chapter 6, from verse 30 to 44. In the book of Luke, it's Luke chapter 9 from verse 10 to verse 17. And the last gospel, the book of John, it's the book of John chapter 6 from verse 1 to verse 15. When you look at this, at this miracle, this miracle, you'll realize that he's teaching us a lesson on servant leadership. And that's what we're going to focus on today. This miracle, I'll quickly summarize it. I think we'll... We all know it. It's not, it's, not, it's not new to us. But what happened is Jesus has been teaching. That's fine. Let's just put yourself in the situation. Put yourself in that uh, scenario, in that environment. Here is Jesus. He's with his disciples. And they are there and they know what Jesus likes most. And maybe they started the service at around 11 in the morning. I don't know what time it was. But they started early. As they started the service at 11, Jesus started to, sp to speak. Maybe the service continued until 12. And they looked at their time and so on. It's only an hour. It continued until, until 1 o'clock. It continued until 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock. And the service was still continuing. And his disciples, they know that Jesus loves people. Jesus came for people. Jesus died for people. So to Jesus, people are very, very important. So I'm sure his disciples, that is, they started to get concerned, just like any one of us. If we were in that kind of an environment, maybe you'll call some few disciples or a small committee or you, you have some caucus aside. And they said, guys, here we have a problem. This man is seem to be going on and on and on and on. He doesn't seem to be about to stop. He's continuing. What should we do? And somebody suggested, maybe let's tell him to stop. And one other guy said, no, I have a suggestion. If we just tell him to stop, he will not stop. So what, what's your suggestion? I suggest we, we send a delegate, some delegation to him, to go and talk to him and say, you know, uh, don't tell him it's us. Tell him the people. <laughs> the people are tired and the people are hungry. Maybe he will understand because you know he loves the people. 
So if you say the people, he will take you serious. And I'm sure they agree. Yeah, yeah, this makes a lot of sense. Go and tell him the people are hungry and tired. Let's send them home. Let them send, let them go to the nearest villages so they can go and get some food. And they approached Jesus and said, The people are hungry and the people are tired. And Jesus said, Well, I'm sure they were expecting that you say, okay, let's dismiss the meeting. He said, no, 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 no. Give them something to eat. Give them something to eat. And they said, no, we, uh, we have no food. I'm sure the guy quickly ran back to the, to the caucus. He said, well, he says we should give them something to eat. And they quickly made some collection. They found a young boy who had five, uh, uh, five bread or five loaves of bread, small breads and two small fishes and they said just just go and give him this and tell him that's all that we have we don't have anything else that's all and the guy quickly ran he went back to jesus said you know what jesus we what we have it's only this this five small bible says five small uh, bread uh, or loaves of bread and, and two small fishes for this boy that's all that we have and jesus said Okay, instead of telling them, okay, now that we have no food, let them go. He says, let them sit in the group of 50s and 100s. And what happened is Jesus prayed over the bread and over the, the food. And after he prayed, he gave them and said, go and give this to them. And they, when they started giving it to them, it multiplied and multiplied in their hands. And Bible says at the end, all of them that whole crowd of 5,000. Actually, by the way, they say 5,000 men. Because the Jews, they only used to count families. So they, they, they would count the head of the family. So if it's 5,000 men, probably it could be about fifteen to 20,000 people who were there. In actual fact, some theologians, they, they, they say this was the, the, the largest crowd that Jesus ever had on that day. So he, he preached and he performed a miracle. And let's quickly go and see what are some of the lessons that he wants us to learn uh, from that miracle. The first one that he wanted us to learn is we are leading people with needs. Let's look at Mark chapter 6, verse 34. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things so jesus was concerned about the needs meeting the needs of the people he was concerned he, he had compassion because he wanted to meet the needs of the people now as a leader i would like to say that all of us we are leading people who have needs some people they have needs and all of us i think we are familiar with this uh, maslow's uh, hierarchy of needs people have different levels of needs whether it's people in your, uh, in your company, people in your organization, people in your church, all of them, they have needs. And there are different kinds of needs. Some, they need help with their growth academically. Some, they need help in their relationships. Some, they need help in their parenting. Some, they need help in their careers. Some, they need help managing their finances. They have needs. We are leading people with needs. Some people's needs are just physical needs. They just need basic needs food they need they need 
they need water, they need basic stuff like health, I mean, uh, clothing, whatever needs that they might have. Some, they, it, it could be security need. They might need a shelter, they need housing. But whatever need that people have, as a leader, you must be able to identify the needs of your people. People are not just spiritual people. They are people with needs. Some people, they have social needs, a sense of belonging. They want to be loved. Some people have been rejected. They have been rejected by their husbands. They have been rejected by their wives. They have been rejected by their bosses. They have been told they are useless. They amount to nothing in their lives. They need a place where they feel like they belong. And you, you, you as a leader, you must create that environment in your church. You must create that environment in your organization where people feel like they belong. So there are different levels of needs. And the last one could be self-actualizing or the need for development and creativity. You know, a, a, a need where somebody feels like they, they are useful, they, they, they are needed. People have different needs. And we should be able to identify the needs of the people. Jesus was concerned about the needs of the people. It's unfortunate that sometimes, you know, the, the, the era that we are living in today, most people or some people or some pastors, they are only focusing on their own needs. The, the ministry is all about the pastor. It's focusing on the pastor instead of focusing on the people. Jesus fed the 5,000. Today, it's the other way around. It's the 5,000 who are feeding the leader. We have to focus on the needs of our people. That's the first lesson that Jesus wanted us to, to learn. The second uh, lesson that he wanted to learn, let's look at John chapter 6, verse 8. Bible says, another disciple, or one of his disciples, Andrew. This was Simon Peter's brother. He spoke up and he said, here is a boy with five small berry loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Here we see this young boy. He gave, he offered his resources. The Bible says these were small loaves and two small fish. Those small loaves and the small fish in the hands of Jesus, they will multiply, they will grow, they will be able to meet the needs of the people. So as a leader, as a servant leader, you must offer, you must give the little that you have. In actual fact, it was good that it was small. That's what Jesus needed. So people can learn that in the hands of Jesus, no matter how small it is, Jesus can make it feed the 5,000. Every time God does something, wants to do it in a way that everybody will see that it's him who did it. There's a reason why God did not want Abraham to get his child when he was 40. Because he will think he did it. But he waited until he was 100. So he will know that it's God who did it. So even if it was a small fish, small loaves, Jesus wanted them to know that it's him who did it. So God wants us to give whatever resources that we have as, as, a, as a servant leader. We donate whatever we can. Be hospitable. We have to tithe. We're expected to tithe. Give our time. Give our tithe. Give our gifts. Give our talents. Be available when we are needed. Sometimes we have to sacrifice as a servant leader. And that's what Jesus wanted us to, to learn uh, from, this, from this miracle. 
The other thing that Jesus wanted us to learn is to learn to delegate others. Let's look at John chapter 6, verse 10. The Bible says, Jesus said, have the people sit down. He tells the disciples to tell the people to sit down. I mean, he has been preaching the whole day. It will have been easy for him to make the announcement. But instead of him making the announcement, he delegates his disciples to do that for him. Let's look at this. This is very, very interesting. You know, when, when we do things in our, uh, in our ministry, in our organization, in our churches, or everywhere we go, there are things that we can do. Let's look at the outer layer here. These are the things that other people can do. I mean, in this whole circle, these are the things that we do every day or we do uh, in our organizations. But there are things that others can do. If those things can be done by other people, you as the leader, you don't have to do it. You can delegate it to other people. And there are things that, or there are jobs that others can do, but you can help them. Instead of you doing everything, you can help them. And when you go into the inner circle, rather there are things that you can do, but others can help you also. So circle number, uh, number two, number three, and number four, those are the things that we can help, we can give other people, delegate to other people to do. We only do focus on the things that are in the inner circle, the jobs that only you can do. There are things that you are the only one who is authorized or who is a professional who can do that. But there are things that you can delegate and ask other people to do. When you, when you delegate other people, you are giving them an opportunity to practice. You are giving them an opportunity to do so they can have that confidence that they can also do it. You know, when you look in the Word of God, you will see this happening in many areas of, of many servants of God. God gives us an opportunity to train other people. Jesus said, go and make them disciples. A disciple is a learner. A disciple is someone who is learning. So wherever you go, you have to train other people to do what you are doing. Do you have people that are learning from you? Do you have people that are growing because they are closer to you? Because they have that, that, the advantage of proximity with you? Or you just do everything by yourself? Paul had Timothy, Moses had Joshua, Elijah had Elisha. Who are you training to do what you are doing? Are you delegating some, some of the uh, responsibilities to other people? So when you delegate the responsibility to somebody, it's another sign of saying, I trust you. I trust you. But if you do everything by yourself, you end up uh, having burnout, you end up uh, getting tired, and also, it's also an indication that you do not trust me. So as servant leaders, we have to learn to trust people that we work with. The other lesson that we see here, let's go to John chapter 6, verse 12. It says, when they all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. When you are a servant leader, don't be extravagant. Don't be wasteful. Be responsible. Be a responsible leader. We, we are just stewards of the resources that God has given us. We are just managers. And once you have that kind of an understanding, then you start to, to be careful with the resources that God has entrusted you with. It could be financial resources. We should not be wasteful. Let's use the resources accordingly. We should not be extravagant. 
Every penny must count. If we're, we're given an opportunity to go and buy something, let's only buy what we need, what the ministry needs, what the organization needs. So we have to learn not to be extravagant. We should not be wasteful. Whatever responsibility that we are given with, whatever it has been entrusted to us, we have to learn to manage like Jesus. He says, he never said, just throw away all the pieces or throw away the leftovers. He said, gather them. Gather them. And what you see here is, when they gathered them, uh, the Bible says there were about 12 baskets that were left. So be accountable. Be accountable. John chapter 6 verse 13 says, So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five belly loaves left over by those who had eaten. Count the cost. Bible says they gathered all the leftovers and they filled up about 12 baskets. We have to count the cost. We have to calculate. We have to learn to manage whatever we are given. To God, numbers are important. Numbers do not lie. We have to learn to budget. We have to learn to be financially accountable in everything that we do. When you look at the Bible, it's full of numbers because numbers numbers are important to God. Look at this. Bible says we had 5,000 men. So it means they counted how many people were there. Two fishes, five loaves. All these are numbers. 12 apostles. We have 12 baskets. So we have to learn to know our numbers in everything that we do as a leader, as a manager, as a director. Whatever area that you are working with, you have to know your numbers. You have to know what you are working with. As a pastor, you have to know. Don't say, no, it's only the treasurer who knows. We don't know how things are going. No, you have to be hands-on. You can't manage what you can't count. Don't be allergic to numbers as a leader. Everything counts. Everything must be taken serious. And as leaders, we have to learn to be accountable. Every time we are given an opportunity, let's know that God wants us to know what's going on in our organization, what's going on in our, uh, in our company, what's going on in all that we uh, that we do. So we have to learn to manage. We have to learn to be accountable. It, also in our in our own homes, we have to learn to budget our finances. At some point, maybe at, I know maybe uh, we, we should be able to have some classes where we learn how to manage our our uh, our finances. How much is coming in? How much we are using uh, every month? How much is left? You know, we should be able to manage that. We should be able to budget that. Not only for us, but for our churches for our organizations, for our ministries, for our companies, for every area that God has given us an opportunity to lead. That's how you become a servant leader. If you do not manage, this is what's going to happen. Some of you, I think most of you have been to Cape Town. Those of you who are in Cape Town, I think you know this, uh, this bridge, the Foyshaw Freeway Bridge. This bridge, it was, uh, uh, they started building it around the 70s, early 70s. But they stopped building it in 1977. And there are quite a number of theories and reasons why they stopped building it. Some of them, they said, no, there was one of the shop owners or businessmen who refused to sell part of his land where this road was supposed to pass through. So they had to stop 
uh, building it. And some people have different theories that no, the engineers, they miscalculated and this road could not be able to join the other part of the, of the road, so they had to stop the project. Some theory is they ran out of money, so they, they did not budget enough money for, uh, for the project, and they had to stop. And this project has stopped since 1977, more than 40 years. It's still like this. Now it's just a monument. I know they try they tried to use it for different uh, things, especially during the World Cup. Uh, they tried to use it as a parking lot, and sometimes they used it, uh, they, they put a, one of the, uh, I think it was the, the biggest horns there to, uh, you know, for one of the vuvuzelas there uh, for, for the games. And, but that was not the, the in, initial purpose of this project. If we do not budget our time, if we do not budget our finances, this is what's going to happen. Most of us, we do not complete our projects, even in our lives, in our families, in our companies, because we do not budget, because we, do, we are not accountable enough. How many projects that we have started and we did not, com we did not finish them? Because we ran out of money, because we, we don't have enough time. We, we could not budget our time or allocate our time accordingly. So if we do not budget, if we do not uh, plan our, 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 our things, if we do not plan our project, this is what's going to happen in our lives. You will start a degree and you will not complete it. You will start a business and you will not finish it. You will start whatever you start, you don't finish. You know, you are always, in everything that you do, you're always new. You're always in a new church. Always you start a new business. Every time somebody meets you in town, you're always in a new job. Because you do not finish whatever you start. And God wants us to finish whatever we start. Every time you are given an opportunity to start something, make sure you finish it. So we have to be accountable. We have to learn uh, to budget. And the last lesson that Jesus wanted us to learn, this uh, was supposed to be the first one actually. To me, this is one of the most important lessons. The Bible says the disciples forwarded the, the needs to Jesus. Matthew chapter 14, verse 15, the Bible says, As evening approached, the disciples came to him, and they said, this is a remote place. And it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Buy themselves some food. So they, they said the people have a need. And the need in this case is the people are hungry. The people are hungry. So in other words, they did not try to resolve the problem by themselves. They said, we trust that Jesus can do something about this situation. This simply means that as a servant leader, you have to intercede for the people that you lead. And that's what we're going to do this morning. Pray for the people that you lead. Intercede for them. Let God be the point of focus, not you as the leader. When people have needs, let's present those needs to God. Let's present the needs to Jesus. Let's, let's pray for our businesses. Let's pray for our families. Let's pray for our offices. Let's pray for the people that we work with. As a leader, you must depend on God for the needs of the people to be met. You are not the superman. You cannot provide everything for them. Let people know that prayer changes things. Prayer changes things. We have a number of testimonies 
of how God has changed situations, has healed people, has changed businesses, has changed churches, has changed and healed many families that were emotionally hurt or emotionally wounded. Many lives have been changed through prayer. There is power in prayer. Don't discount the impact of prayer in any situation. Successful leaders, servant leaders, they know that they need the wisdom from God. There is no school for wisdom. No matter how educated you are, you are not, you are not, you don't have enough wisdom. You, you are not wise enough. The Bible says when we need wisdom, let's go to God and ask for wisdom. And God will give it to us so generously. Strategies and plans should never replace prayer in our lives. Remember, we will never pray enough. We should win the battle on our knees. If you want to be defeated, once you are defeated in your knees, you will be defeated out there. You will lose the battle out there. Some of the things, some problems that we have, cannot be resolved in our, in our boardrooms. They can be resolved in our prayer rooms. We have to trust God in all the situations that we are in. Let's look at the final scripture. Then we are going to pray. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6, it keeps emphasizing the same thing again. As seven leaders, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, not in some things, not in some small things, not in bigger things, in everything that concerns us, by prayer and petition. Let's pray about anything. Bible says everything that concerns us, whether it's at work, whether it's at home, whether it's in our ministry, whether it's in our church, let's pray about everything. Present your request to God. Let's trust God with our needs. Let's trust God with the needs of our people. And the Bible says after we have prayed, and the peace of God, which surpasses all your understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. There is power in prayer. And that's what we are going to do this morning, to present all our needs to God and trust Him that He will heal our hearts. He will heal the hearts of our people. He will heal our nation. He will heal our world. He will heal our hospitals. He will heal our churches. We need him more than ever before. I have suggested some few things that we can pray for today. We pray for the word that we just heard or read, whatever stood out for us, and ask God to help us to become servants, servant leaders who will serve him through his people. We pray for our families. And we, we name them by, I mean, we pray for them by names. We pray for our pastors. We pray for their families also. We pray for our businesses. We pray for our colleagues. We pray for our ministry. We pray for our workplaces. And at the end, we'll be quiet in the presence of God and listen to Him when He speaks back to us. Because prayer. It's not a monologue, it's a dialogue. We speak to God, and I believe God will speak back to us. Amen?